So the teachings for this week um, are uh, inspired by a discourse in the uh, Buddhist suttas, the Buddhist teachings, um, the, um, that teaches of a gradual path, uh, of a gradual training, a gradual practice, and, a, and gradual progress, which describes a path um, and a direction, a way, we, a way we learn how to do something. And this is the Ganaka Moggallana Sutta. And, um, or for those of you who know this, Marshall Manikaya 107. But um, Ganaka means accountant. And so um, um, Magalana, this was Magalana the accountant. And he, um, he asked the Buddha, he noticed that when he was, uh, accountants get trained, you know, they, they first, you know, um, get, have a gradual training. They tra- learn how to count. Um, you know, in those days, that was a big deal, right? Um, you know, and, they, and then they have a gradual practice. As they practice, they get better and better. And then they make gradual progress, and they kind of become real accountants. Um, and so, you know, he asked, you know, uh, you know, this is, what, you know, how it works here. Does this work the same way with the Dhamma, with the practice? And um, the Buddha said, yes. You know, he said, uh, just like a, a young colt, you know, being trained by horse trainer, uh, first has to get used to the bit, you know, wearing the bit. And then once they get used to the bit, you know, they um, get used to a blanket being thrown over them, you know, and, and carrying that. And, you know, and then maybe, you know, walking very slowly next to you. Uh, and then they maybe learn how to trot, you know, and, and how to run, and how to run and stop. And so, um, and in the same way, um, the, the Dharma works, the training in the Dharma works. And so um, then he proceeded to list um, and to, to talk about the different uh, uh, the steps of training. And so, um, excuse me. So the first part of the training is the training in virtue. And, you know, in the West, we tend to start with meditation. And, um, you know, but traditionally, um, you know, the practice starts with virtue. And, um, you know, if you've uh, spent your day screaming at people and, um, you know, and treating them really poorly and you sit down to meditate, your mind is not going to get calm that easily. Um, or, you know, or stealing, or, you know, all the different things that people can do. And uh, uh, so virtue is a really, um, it's really at the heart, it's at foundation of this practice. And Gil will be talking about it a little bit more, um, a little bit. Um, then, um, you know, after that, a training in guarding the sense doors. Uh, so this is how we have a relationship with the world, is uh, through our you know five external senses, and the sixth sense of the mind, um, and um, you know our relationship to the world, to our life, is through these six sense doors. 
And further, you know, uh, in one of the Stosan stores, he, the next training is moderation in eating, um, and followed by a practice in wakefulness. And so that's being um, awake for our lives, you know, in everything we do. And again, we'll be, you know, going into this a little bit more and more as the retreat progresses. Um, And then developing mindfulness and full awareness. And then followed by uh, training in the um, uh, five in, in, um, in concentration, uh, through abandoning the five hindrances, you know, which are, you know, any of you who have meditated at all have experienced these quite well. Um, you know, restlessness, sleepiness, uh, desire, aversion, doubt. You know, we've all had, um, you know, we spend quite a bit of time, uh, you know, um, it's constant those. And so the training on how to abandon those, how to uh, set those down and develop concentration. Um, and uh, as we do that in developing the mind this way, uh, progressing you know, to non-clinging and insight and liberation. And so this path of you know, these, these steps that we take on the path uh, kind of give us a, gives us a sense of confidence, of you know, forward, forward leading, um, but it's not like we master virtue and then we begin, um, you know, with with the neck with guarding the senses. That we sort of train in all of them, and as we keep training in all of them, uh, then we kind of keep returning to all of them. And every time we go deeper into we go deeper into any of them. For instance, um, you know, when I first started, um, you know, paying attention to my speech. You know, the best I could do was to um, uh, stop saying bad things about people, <laughs> you know. And, you know, that was, that was, you know, I felt that's real progress, you know. And as time went on, you know, that gossiping and that, that, that peace, you know, I, I began to really realize that, um, you know, uh, talking to, some, to um, a family member in a rude manner, uh, was not right speech, you know, and so bringing kindness into my speech was really important for me. It's like, can I always, you know, uh, train to be kind? Um, you know, and same thing with, um, you know, it's, you know, guarding the senses, you know, and for instance, connection with the body. Uh, when I first did mindfulness of the body, um, you know, I kind of knew I had a body, you know, it's like kind of over here, you know, yeah, I know where my body is, you know, and, and I didn't quite get the practice, it's like, you know, yeah, so, so what, it's there, you know, what, you know, I want to meditate, do, you know, I want that to be up here somewhere, you know, um, and so it took, I was really slow at getting that this practice is an embodied practice, that really it's what's happening in this body right now, and so, you know, as I kept practicing, you know, that just kept changing for me and changing and changing, you know. So it's not like I learned it once, you know. It's like I learned it, you know, many, many times, you know, and, and still learning, you know, this. And um, um, you know, and, and the other thing to appreciate that, you know, just like when you train a, a young horse, the young horse will tend to resist, 
you know, right? They don't really want that bit. They don't want the blanket, you know. They, you know, but they trust you enough to to go for it, you know, to kind of okay, you know, I'll, you know, I'll 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 give you a chance, you know, and do this, you know. And in the same way, it's really natural for us to resist the training, um, you know, and resist or you know, the mind wants to resist paying attention. You know, and that's really natural. You know, the mind would rather just kind of go off and play, you know, and and fantasize and do all these different things, you know. And so to really, it really helps understanding, ah, this is really part of the training. Yeah, the mind does this. It's not that I'm, I'm flawed, I'm, if there's anything anything wrong with me. It's just that this is how the mind is. And so when we really, you know, when we approach the practice um, uh, with... Uh, uh, with a kindness and acceptance that this is a training, this is how it is, and right now, you know, I, I can follow one breath in a row <laughs> uh, before my mind drifts off, that that's okay. You know, that's how it is, and you know, we're just working with this. You know, the quality of our effort is more important than the effort. Um, you know, to to um, if we bring striving and tightness and I've got to get this, you know, um, uh, that's, uh, that's really wrong effort, you know. Effort, you know, should be, um, you know, I think a good example is uh, hammering a nail, you know. If you hammer a nail, you know, as hard as you can, you're going to, you know, you'll dent the wood. Um, if you're not relaxed enough, you know, you're kind of, okay, I'm pushing the nail in. That doesn't work either. So it's like you have to have a kind of a relaxed, gentle, you know, you, you can hit, be assertive and, you know, go a little bit fast, you know, hit it fast. But but you do it with a relaxed hand, you know, not a tense, pushing hand. And in the same way, how we approach the practice is, uh, you know, we're we can be... Um, you know, form with ourselves, you know, and, and uh, say, you know, and, and really put out some effort, but the quality of that is really helpful for it to be kind, you know. Um, you know, I often check with myself, you know, uh, you know, am, am I being the, the um, stern schoolmaster or do I have a smile on my face, you know, the kind, the kind mother that, that's uh, really patient and, um, and so, whether you had one or not, you know, but, um, so, um, uh, it's important to keep that in mind. Um, you know, the, you know, one of the examples that I often think about in relation to the practice is the learning music, you know. Like when you learn music, you start out with very, very simple. You just start out with, uh, uh, you know, a few notes, a melody, you know. And, and so you train in that till, you know, it sounds like a song, you know. And even though it's just the very beginning of learning music, there's still kind of a sweetness when you first hear that first jingle bell sound like jingle bells, right? Um, and um, you know, so as we as we train, you know, uh, every part of our practice, if we can just keep bringing in that sweetness of of something new, here is a new moment, uh, a new experience. It's always new. It's always new.
And then just lastly, just just one, you know, just the the reminder of the continuity of the practice, you know. Um, you know, when I first sat my retreats, and maybe this is why I, I like to stress this so much, is that um, I would go to the meditation and then I'd take my break, you know, and I'd go have my tea and I'd, you know, let my mind roam around and, you know, and then I'd go do something else that was formal, you know, formal meditation, you know, and, um, and you know, and it, it took me a while to really realize that how much I was missing on retreat, you know, and uh, I was kind of blown away the first time that I actually did a retreat and kept my attention continuous, you know, throughout um, going to the bathroom, you know, opening the door to my room and, and not just going, okay, time off, you know, <laughs> go lay down, you know, so so that continuity, um, uh, uh, it was just um, made my it was all became, it's one mind, it's one mind, and the continuity just created a richness to the practice, a strength to the practice, uh, the stability to the practice. So I really encourage you to, um, you know, to keep that that attention um, on your body, on your present moment, yeah, throughout the entire retreat, if you can, uh, and just keep coming back to it, keep coming back to it. Um, so thank you, and uh, I'm going to um, pass it on to Diana, who's going to do the next piece. And yes. Maybe I'll start with a volume check. Is is it okay? Can you hear me? A little bit louder for you? Yeah, I don't... Uh, oh. I don't Does it seem, need to be a little bit louder? It feels like it needs to be a little bit louder to, for me, but but Matt's saying it's okay. <laughs> I don't have one of these speakers right over me, so... So, good evening. It's nice to be here and see you all. So it's the custom, it's the tradition, that when we begin a retreat, that we begin with going for refuge. And refuge we can think of as a place of safety, away from danger. As well as, similar to like wildlife refuges, we put things that we value, that are precious, in with refuge. So here, we can also think of it as a, um, going for refuge as a way to orient ourselves to retreat practice, to kind of like finish arriving and to like, okay, here we are. We're starting retreat. So we're going to go for refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha, for me, I feel uh, inspired by the idea of what's possible. The Buddha represents some profound, radical inner freedom that's possible. The Dharma is the practices and the teachings that the Buddha shared to help us find this radical, profound inner freedom. 
some of the dharma that we'll be exploring on this retreat is the gradual training that uh, Inez was just talking about. And then the sangha is the community of practitioners, both those that have gone before us and those with whom we practice that support our practice in many ways. At the opening circle, we saw how it's all of us practicing together. We support each other with the jobs that we do and Maybe that support is obvious, and maybe sometimes it's subtle and indirect, but it certainly is different to practice in retreat and certainly to um, be on retreat uh, in community as opposed to being with oneself. So we'll um, we'll, uh, go for refuge by um, doing some chanting, and the chanting will be done in Pali, which is the language from the ancient that the uh, teachings are preserved in. We'll do it in call and response. And it starts with a homage uh, to the Buddha. It's uh, for those of you who ever hear um, some monastics teaching all around the world and kind of in the Buddhist tradition, they start with this same phrase, which for me, I, I kind of like, I feel inspiring to think of the millions of people through the thousands of years that have chanted this or who have heard it and kind of part of this. And it's also an opportunity for us here in this room to kind of join our voices together and to kind of create something together. So first the homage will go namo tasa, which means homage to the Bhagavato Arahato, the Blessed One, the Arhat, Sama Sambuddhasa, the fully, the perfectly enlightened one. And we'll do this um, call and response. And then I'll tell you about the next step after that. So I'll do it first and then you can repeat after me. And I'll do it in parts. And we'll do it three times total. Namo Tassa. Namo tassa Bhagavato Arahato Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Sama Sambuddhasa Namo tassa Namo tassa Bhagavato Arahato Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Sama Sambuddhasa and to go for refuge, well, um, you can repeat after me. It'll be like Buddham Saranam Gachami, Buddham Buddha Saranam Refuge Gachami. I go to or I go for. We'll do Buddha Dhamma Sangha, and then we'll insert this word Dutiampi, which means for a second time. Then we'll do it a second time, and then Tatiampi for a third time. So again, we'll do this call and response. Budam Saranam Gachami Budam Saranam Gachami 
Dhamman saranam gachami Dhamman saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Sangam saranam gachami Dutiampi buddham saranam gachami Dutiampi buddham saranam gachami Dutiampi daman saranam gachami Dutiampi daman saranam gachami Dutiampi sangam saranam gachami Dutiampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiampi buddham saranam gachami Tatiampi buddham saranam gachami Tatiampi daman saranam gachami Tatiampi daman saranam gachami Tatiampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiampi sangam saranam gachami And now I'll pass it on to Gil. So, also to, uh, check my volume. Can everyone hear me all right? Is it loud enough? And we'll see how it goes. Let me know if, uh, as these days goes along, if it's not loud enough, because uh, sometimes I have a custom of saying the most profound and important things that you absolutely have to hear in a very soft voice. <laughs> so if I start dipping like that, you can just raise your hand, or I'll try to do the best I can to speak up or turn the volume up. So it's the, in addition to the refuges, the formal beginning of a retreat also entails um, committing ourselves to uh, five areas of training that we're going to train in a certain area of how to be together. And these are called the five precepts. And, um, and the part of the reason we do it at the beginning of a retreat is um, to start con- creating the environment that's conducive for meditation. And, um, and at the minimum, the five ethical precepts are creating safety for us. And not just, uh, you know, in in a deep psychological way, perhaps, because I have strong doubts that any of you are going to be involved in killing during this retreat. Maybe you'll be tempted to do an insect, but, you know, uh, compared to what people do to each other out in the world, I think this is a pretty safe place. I don't think that any of you are going to steal Sexual misconduct is a little bit more, you know, I've heard rumors of things that happen on retreats. But, um, you know, so, but maybe that's, you know, uh, it's remarkable to me how careful people are in retreat about um, not lying. Uh, The standard that some people come to on retreat uh, as retreat goes along is actually quite high. People will say something to one of the meetings with a teacher and um, they'll come back the next time and want to apologize 
And because they didn't say it quite right, and they, they felt kind of ethically wrong, I mean, they weren't kind of clear and precise about what they said. And then uh, the other one that I can imagine some people, you know, not being so committed to, is um, alcohol and drugs. Um, certainly medicine is fine that you need to take, but the recreational use or the escape use of drugs and alcohol uh, is not a wise thing to do on retreat. So these five precepts are not to kill, not to take what is not given, not to engage in sexual misconduct, not to lie, and not to um, uh, consume drugs or alcohol that makes you intoxicated. And um, But to, to say this publicly, this is what we commit ourselves to, um, is very important for many people who don't live in a world of safety. Many people have had experiences in life that are quite traumatic, uh, violence done in all kinds of ways, and uh, betrayals of all kinds. And so their heart's kind of guarded. They're kind of guarded. They can't really feel like they can relax in a deep way. And when we publicly make a shared commitment to do our best with these precepts, I think it helps something inside of us to be, maybe it's okay here in this environment to open up to this part of me that I've been close to or holding at bay. It's also a training um, in discovering something beautiful inside ourselves. It's a kind of a homecoming. And the ethical precepts in the end are not something to do as they are something to love. And that's something to love is to love yourself, to love the capacity in here of being deeply grounded, deeply connected, deeply at peace, kind of sense of inner harmony and well-being that somehow is closely uh, uh, connected to the idea of living an ethical life. The simplest definition of which is to live a life that does not cause any intentional harm to oneself or to others. And this movement towards being a... uh, having the gift of harmlessness, to offer ourselves the gift of not harming ourselves, the gift to the others, not harming them, is a, not, not only a wonderful offering to everyone, but it's actually a kind of homecoming because it's deep inside. It's kind of the, if we're really settled and connected, this is, the, this is what's in there. This is what wants to come out. And um, so... On retreat, the idea of not uh, killing or not causing harm is pretty paramount. Uh, not hurting anything or any being. Not taking what's not given. It's, lots of things are given here freely at IRC. But if you don't feel like you're unsure whether it's actually offered, you can leave a message for the managers and see, is this actually offered? And you know, and Some things are clearly not offered. If one of you drops your wallet, that's not an offering. <laughs> That's just something to either leave there or bring to the managers. And um, and then the sexual misconduct on retreat is actually, on the retreat, it it's, uh, transforms into a precept of celibacy. And, uh, and one of the reasons for that on retreat is to simplify the life in a radical way and, uh, and begin to discover or see ourselves in a way that some people don't see themselves in life very much. And that is... Um, kind of without the filter of our sexual 
our sexual, our sexual urges that might be there and sexual desires. They're not considered wrong to have those, but, uh, but it is something to discover what to, what's like life, what's life is like without those being compulsive and without those making the social life more complicated than we need it to be here. We're trying to look for a, a mind that starts to free itself of social complications. And, um, and that's one of the ways that tradition has, uh, that helps us to discover that is this idea of celibacy. And so we have this temporary celibacy thing here at the retreat. And then um, not lying, I think is a profound thing because to lie is to go in the opposite direction of mindfulness. Mindfulness is a form of honesty, to be honest with ourselves and what's happening. And you can't have that honesty if we're speaking falsehoods. And the same thing, intoxicating ourselves goes in the wrong direction uh, from becoming clear and present and having a kind of uh, a clarity of mind that comes from the self-reliance of the mind as opposed to some state of mind that comes by relying on some external support for it. So it's a wonderful gift we give to our community. And you might not feel you need it so much, but uh, some of the people here in this room, it might be phenomenally important to be in a place where that level of safety is being enacted and, li- and lived. And, um, but also, uh, the beginning of the gradual training that we'll talk about in this retreat is a training in virtue, is a training in ethics. And it isn't incidental, it isn't only because it creates a good foundation, it creates a mind which is not agitated and not filled with remorse or not preoccupied with uh, kind of activities and concerns that make it difficult to meditate. Um, But rather, that's certainly part of it, but it's more like um, um, the movement towards the spiritual freedom that Buddhism is pointing to is, is in fact an ethical transformation, is in fact a discovery of this phenomenal goodness inside, a kind of a purity inside, a kind of a cleanliness inside, a kind of a wisdom inside that is a kind of a singing of the heart or a love of the heart or the love of the body that comes from the inside out that um, is manifested, is expressed in these five precepts. Someone who becomes spiritually mature, this is how they live their lives. And so when we, when we kind of develop this capacity or train in these capacities at the beginning of a retreat or at the beginning of our practice or any time at all, it's kind of like we're beginning to act into where this path is going. It's kind of like we're, at, we're beginning to train or being that which the transformation is going to be. So, the final thing I'll say about these precepts that we take at the beginning of a retreat is that um, it's considered to be trainings. And so trainings mean, you, you know, you kind of want, we want to, you know, you do the best you can. And it's not exactly a sin if you don't, if you slip up a little bit. 
But um, it isn't that, you know, you said, oh, okay, I slipped up a little bit, so let me try harder tomorrow or next. We're working towards this. We're developing and training ourselves in this direction. And um, But I think that the standard for retreats, are, you know, it's, it's a pretty, I think it's relatively easy, you know, because it's a relatively simple life here. And you have to be pretty creative on retreat to get interested in things that have to do with breaking the precepts. That's my impression. So, uh, uh, like the chanting the refuges, we chant this together, or recite it together. I'll uh, say it in English, and I'll do it uh, each line of the five precepts uh, in two parts. So I'll do one part, and you can repeat. And... um, So for the sake for the sake of our training together, I commit myself to the training of not I commit myself to the okay, sure, three parts. I commit myself to the training of not killing. For the sake of our practice together. I commit myself to the training training of not taking what is not given. given. For the sake of our practice together, together, I commit myself to the training training of not engaging in sexual misconduct. misconduct. For the sake of our practice together, I commit myself to the training of not speaking falsehoods. For the sake of our practice together, I commit myself to the training of not intoxicating my mind with alcohol or drugs. Thank you. I don't take it lightly that uh, we did this. I think it's a profound and wonderful thing. And perhaps uh, my hope is that the longer you practice, the more you'll appreciate the simple thing we did here, how important it is and valuable it is for yourself and for others. So um, with that, it's um, almost 8.30. And uh, the way that the schedule is set up, the formal part of the day and welcome ends now at 8.30. So that uh, the hope is that you can go to bed early um, and get a good night's sleep. If it is too early for you to go to sleep, uh, you're welcome to stay in here and meditate or do a walking meditation or something simple like that. And um, But you know, trying to get a good night's sleep is a good thing. Many people... Um, tire themselves out getting to a retreat. Tra- travel, packing, taking care of all the things I take care of to make it all work, and staying up late the night before, all kinds of reasons people arrive tired. And so, you know, please feel uh, comfortable in your room, feel safe, feel cozy, feel welcomed. And I hope that you feel like you've come to the right place for you, and you can just kind of be content as you lay there and 
oh, here I am. And um, and then the wake up bell is at six, six thirty. See, oh five thirty, yeah, at five thirty, and six o'clock we'll see you. We'll have a sitting. Thank you all. <laughs>